It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. It was a beautiful day. The sand was crisp and white. The water was warm. In fact, it was unusually warm and it was clear. Then it happened. Something unusual, something extremely out of the ordinary. The water just disappeared. It was as if the ocean had gotten thirsty and swallowed back itself. Boats sat upon the sandy ocean floor. Sea creatures and shells were revealed. People should have known what was coming. They should have referred back to history and known in their mind what was happening. But many didn't. They just seemed to enjoy the moment, walking out as far as they could and exploring. Then they heard it, a rumble, and then the sound like that of a jet airplane. They didn't know what was coming, but it was a wall, a wall of water moving at a speed that is equal to the square root of the product of the acceleration of gravity plus the water depth. It was most likely moving at anywhere between 300 to 600 miles per hour. The wave itself was probably anywhere to 50 to 100 feet tall. And in a moment, over 200,000 people died in the destruction of that terrible tsunami on December the 26th, 2004. Many should have known that the destruction that was coming was about to be upon them. But they chose to ignore it. How many are there today who see the spiritual tsunami coming but are choosing to ignore it. Now, over the last two weeks, we have been studying what we have called the Beatitudes of Revelation. Revelation 1-3 being the first, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. And then Revelation 14-13, blessed are the dead in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And now today we come to beatitude number three. It is a blessing given in the midst of the sixth plague. Now, as we study the passage for today, we find its context in Revelation 15.8. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 15 And verse 8, it says these words. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were ended. Now, what is the scene that is happening here? The temple is filled with smoke. No one can enter any longer. The ministration of the temple is over. There's no more ministry happening there. Why? Because the decisions have been made. 
People have made a choice for right or wrong, and now Jesus is readying himself to return with everyone's just reward. Probation, as we might call it, for humankind has ended. All humankind has made their final choice. The revelation of Jesus Christ is a revelation of the beauty of the character of God. And in Revelation chapter 16, it opens with the seven last plagues, which contain the wrath of God. They come in all their fury. Each of the plagues is brought by an angel. Now, these plagues fall on those who have refused to recognize the sovereignty of God. The first angel brings a plague of boils, and the second angel brings a plague that turns the sea to blood. The third angel brings a plague that turns the rivers and springs to blood. And the fourth angel, a plague where the sun scorches men. The fifth angel brings a plague that brings darkness upon the earth. And finally, that brings us to the sixth angel who has another plague. But within this plague, there is a blessing. The third beatitude of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 16, beginning in verse 12, this is the, what the Bible says. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together in the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Here God uses a literal event that happened in the past to symbolize and foretell future events. Now, in order to understand this passage, we need to go back in time to a historical event in the history of Israel. Now, as you will remember, in the 6th century BC, Babylon was the dominant empire of the Middle East. They had conquered Jerusalem. They had taken captive many Hebrew young people. Now, one of those young people was the prophet Daniel. Now, while Babylon was in power, there was a growing force that was emerging in the east. This force was a combined force of the Medes and the Persians. They were uniting to become very considerable. Now, Belshazzar was the co-reigning Babylon with his father, Nabonidus, in Babylon. Now, Nabonidus led the Babylonian troops out from Babylon to contend with this emerging force and crush their rebellion. However, Nabonidus was detained and his troops were defeated. But in Babylon, Babylon was considered an impenetrable city. Some scholars believe that they had supplies within the city that could have lasted them 20 years. Now, during the battle to take Babylon, the Persian general Cyrus, his favorite horse was killed. He was so infuriated by this event that he decided that he would take the city of Babylon at all costs. 
And so he led his troops to begin digging trenches all along the Euphrates River. Now the Euphrates River ran right through the center of Babylon. And by digging those trenches, they diverted the river so much that it lowered the height of the river to only as high as a man's thigh. Now, while all of this was going on, Nabonidus' son, who co-reigned with him, was left in the city. Now, what do you think Belshazzar was doing? Do you think he was preparing for war and doing all he could to defeat the coming Persians? No. In fact, the Bible records that he was living the lavish lifestyle and partying. He even brought the vessels that had been taken from the temple of God to serve drinks in at his party. But God sent a message to Belshazzar and his kingdom was taken from him. Because unbeknownst to him, Cyrus and his troops were marching up the lowered Euphrates. Someone had left the gate to the city that lowered into the river open and Cyrus and his troops marched right into the city and defeated it, thus ending Babylon's reign. So what then is this passage in Revelation chapter 16 telling us? Well, see, it's going back in symbols and it points us with these symbols back to this ancient story of history. First, when the angel dumps the plague upon the earth, it says that the Euphrates, is, its water was dried up. Now, what does this symbolize? Well, the Euphrates in ancient history provided the basic necessity of water to ancient Babylon. However, in addition to that, Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15 give us a clue as to what the Euphrates symbolizes. Revelation 17, 15 says this, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. The story of Revelation is the story of Jesus the Lamb versus the beast power. It is a great controversy between good and evil. The beast power of Revelation, which represents a false religious system, and as Revelation chapter 13, verse 3 points out, listen to these words about the beast power. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So the whole world was following this religious, false religious power. People, multitudes, nations, and tongues. As the sixth plague is poured out, the support system of followers of the beast power is dried up and people stop in their support. The people begin to turn away in the midst of the plagues because the promise of prosperity is failing and instead they are receiving the plagues. So the Euphrates drying up is the drying up of the support of the beast power. But the text goes on to say that this prepares the way for the kings of the east. In that story of ancient Babylon, Cyrus came from none other than the east. Now, it is very interesting to note what the Bible calls Cyrus. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, and in verse 1, the Bible mentions Cyrus. Listen to these words. 
Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held. That word anointed in the Hebrew is the same word used for the word Messiah. See, Cyrus was a deliverer of God's people. It was under Cyrus's nation and the beginning of Cyrus's power that the Hebrews were able to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. So Cyrus was a Messiah, so to speak. He was anointed one of God. This is a symbol of the preparation of Christ and his return. Remember, what did Jesus say about his own return in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27? For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus is coming from the east. And so as the support system of the beast power is dried up, it prepares the way for the coming of the true Messiah, the true King, Jesus. But then Revelation 16 goes on to say, and it speaks about three unclean spirits. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Friends, as the support system of the beast power dries up, There is a concerted effort to try to win back that support through all kinds of deception. The false spirits being as frogs is an interesting choice. The only other time in the Bible that it discusses frogs is in the plagues that fell on Egypt. The frog was a symbol of ancient foreign gods. And in the last days, The false teachings of Egypt will continue onward into the future through the beast antichrist power to deceive the nations. And that is done through demons and devils working miracles, trying to reclaim the support that had been dried up. They work the whole world into a frenzy for that last great battle. Now the passage also gives us the clear timing of what's going on here. The passage in Revelation 16 speaks of, Behold, I come as a thief. This is the second coming of Jesus. Now I want you to notice the timing. To my friends who believe in the secret rapture, this passage clearly demonstrates that Jesus coming as a thief is after the plagues. God's people are still on this planet during the plagues and during the Great Tribulation. But the key piece of our study today comes next. Here's the beatitude in Revelation 16. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Here is the blessing. A blessing with a twofold instruction. Number one, it calls us to watch. That word watch literally means to be awake, to be alert, to be vigilant. In Matthew 24, 42, Jesus himself said, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Friends, we are to be in a constant state of readiness. 
We are to be always seeking Jesus and maintaining a relationship with him. It is to be constant. Now later, Jesus would give the same counsel to the 10 virgins in Matthew 25, 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now why were those virgins who were ready prepared for the return of Jesus? Because they had lamps and oil, representations of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is not a works-oriented gospel where we prepare ourselves, but a being awake where people are both hearers and doers of God's word. But then there's the second instruction. And the second instruction is to keep his garment. Now, what garment is being referred to here? It's very interesting. This usage is clearly an analogy that takes us back to the Garden of Eden. Back in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve in their perfect condition wore garments of righteousness. But then in a tragic turn of events, Adam and Eve made a choice to be disobedient to God. And when they did this, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7 tells us, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. To be naked, friends, is to be self-sufficient. To be covered is to be dependent upon the sacrifice of Christ. To be clothed is to be covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. To be naked is to be self-sufficient and have shame in our life. And friends, this has been the nature of man throughout history. The nature of man throughout history has been an attempt to cover himself. And that never works out and it leaves a person empty. In Revelation 16, they are blessed not because these individuals are just starting to watch and keep their garments. No, they have practiced and prepared through a faithful life for the final great day of God. What have the people of God been preparing for? What have they been prepared for? Those who are blessed are blessed because they watch and they keep on their garment of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says that they are prepared for Armageddon. This symbol of Armageddon is difficult to identify exactly. Some have thought that this was a literal place for a literal great battle. However, all of Plague 6 has been spoken of in symbolic language. And it would seem only logical that the symbolism would continue here with Armageddon. This Greek word Armageddon literally means the Mount of Megiddo. Megiddo is a literal place of ancient times. And Megiddo was in the shadows of Mount Carmel. And because of this, it could draw our attention to the showdown on Mount Carmel with Elijah and the false prophets of Baal. It was a reference to God's decisive victory. Or maybe it could be a, ref a reference to Jehoshaphat and his story in 2 Chronicles 20. Or possibly a reference to Israel in Judges 4 and 5. And in all of those stories, the overarching theme is clear. 
God is the supreme power in the universe. And even though at times it may seem as if you're all alone, God will come through. Those who watch and are faithful to Jesus and keep themselves under the cover of his righteousness will be able to be faithful even when it seems as if all is failing. When the support of the beast power is waning and drying up, there will be a great deception. But who will be able to stand? Those who have been blessed by watching and keeping their garment. Are you watching for the return of Jesus? Have you surrendered your life fully to him that you live under his righteousness alone? Today, why not make the commitment? The promise of the book of Revelation is that you will be blessed if you do so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to receive the blessing that is promised in Revelation. And so our prayer is very simple. Lord, help us to watch and help us to be in a constant state of readiness for your son's return. Help us to be ready at all times. But Lord, we also, we also want to pray that you help us to keep on the garment of Christ's righteousness, that we would every day, as Paul prayed, that we would die daily. And Father, through all of this, may we be submitted to your will and follow you no matter what the cost. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. everyone. If you are nuts about nuts, you'll be glad to hear that eating a small handful every day can help lower cholesterol and prevent heart disease. According to the Mayo Clinic, eating nuts as part of a healthy diet can be good for your heart, and a number of health studies confirm this to be true. Despite their diminutive size, nuts are packed with all kinds of good nutrition, including protein, omega-3 fatty acids, fiber, vitamin E, trace minerals, and something interesting called L-arginine. L-arginine is a substance that helps make your arteries more flexible, thereby aiding in lowering your blood pressure. So what's your favorite nut? I love the rich creaminess of cashews, the hard crunch of a Brazil nut, the way walnuts mix so well with dates, and the heightened sweetness of almonds when they plump up after soaking in water. Speaking of soaking, it's a good idea to soak nuts for several hours before using them. This makes them easier to digest by neutralizing protective enzyme inhibitors on the surface of the nut. Soaking times vary for different nuts, and you can Google the internet to find more information. When purchasing nuts, raw is best. Leave the salted and chocolate-covered ones on the grocery shelf. At home, store nuts in the fridge so their natural oils don't spoil too quickly. 
What all can you do with nuts? The list is endless. Make your own nut milks, nut butters, pâtés, sweet or savory creams, cheeses, pie crusts, scrambles, and more. Be careful though, with their high fat content, it's easy to overload by eating too many nuts. Been there, done that. Keep in mind that about a quarter cup of nuts daily is enough to derive all their delicious health benefits. If you have high cholesterol or want to lose weight, however, you'll want to curb your intake of nuts. This week, instead of purchasing cow's milk, blend your own healthy nut milk instead. It's super easy and so delicious. Let me show you how to make almond milk. You'll need one cup of raw almonds, rinse them well, then soak them overnight. This will yield about one and a half cups of almonds. Three to four cups of water, depending on how thin or thick you like your milk, and filtered water is best. Maybe about four dried dates, soaked to soften, or two teaspoons of honey, and half a teaspoon of vanilla. And after soaking overnight, drain and rinse the almonds, then place them in the blender. Add the dates, the vanilla, and half the water. Blend on high speed until creamy, and keep adding the remaining water and blend until you have the consistency of milk you like. Now, I'm just going to do that right now. I've got my water already in here, and I'm going to put the nuts in and the dates. And you know what, I usually don't add the, uh, the vanilla, so I'm not even gonna do that this time. And then you would just put this back on. I'm using a Vitamixer, and this is the king of blenders. So, here we go. You can strain the milk if you prefer, but don't throw out the fibrous goodness. Be sure to use the pulp in other recipes. And you can store the milk in a glass jar in the fridge for three days. I'm just gonna pour this out to show you. Look at this, when I make it, I don't strain it. Beautiful milk. Enjoy it in good health. I'll see you next time. The book of Revelation is the unveiling of the character of love of Jesus. Today we want to offer you the Focus on Prophecy lessons, which will guide you through the book of Revelation to better understand it and to receive the blessings that Jesus has promised. To receive today's free offer, here is the information that you need. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4.
The Beatitudes of Revelation are Jesus's blessings pronounced on God's people in these last days. I know I want to receive the blessings of Jesus and I know you do too. The call today is that we would watch, be ready for Jesus, and we would submit to him on a daily basis and put on that robe of righteousness. Thank you so much for watching. I invite you to join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.